electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Today, Microsoft's chief people officer, Kathleen Hogan, and corporate vice president, Jared Spataro, share the results of the company's Work Trends Index, an annual report that collects trillions of productivity and labor signals from across Microsoft 365 and LinkedIn. Its findings provide not only a snapshot of how people are working and collaborating right now, but also a glimpse at what the future of work may look like. I spoke to Hogan and Spataro at CNBC's At Work Summit on March 30th, 2021, about their findings and how companies can prepare to bring employees back to work whatever that may mean. Take a listen. What is Microsoft going to do with its employees when time comes for them to come back? How are you handling the return to work? And how are you going to handle the idea that to be safe in a workplace is going to require a very, very high rate of vaccination? Kathleen? Well, we, we are... Um right now really working to identify the different stages. So with our team and in partnership with uh, health experts, we've really looked at stage four, stage five, and stage six. And for a lot of our uh, workplace right now, we're really in stage four and we're envisioning stage six, probably not until the end of the summer, maybe even into September, where you would actually have people fully vaccinated, I heard the discussion around whether you would still be wearing masks. So there's a lot we're still um, we're still trying to figure out as it relates to uh, the environment when we're back to work. I think the one thing we know for sure is we're not going to go back to the way it was. We don't think we're going to continue uh, the way it is right now where everybody's working from home. We absolutely think it's going to be this hybrid where some people are working from home, some people are in the office, and we're going to absolutely have to uh, absolutely have to navigate that. How will you handle the, the thorny question, Kathleen, of if people are going to be back in the office, even for part time, uh, will they will you require that they have been vaccinated? And how can you do that uh, right now? Um, and this is something we're still working on. But right now, uh, I don't imagine that we are going to require that people are vaccinated. But it's something we're evaluating. We're working with the experts. And also we're in 190 countries. And so we're also working to see what are the regulations and what are the government policies by the different countries. Uh, so that's something I would say we're still looking at. What uh, really we're focused on right now is how we're going to operate in, in a hybrid model, how we're going to leverage our technology, how we're going to empower our managers to empower our employees to make the hybrid work. Uh, and there's a lot we still need to figure out as it relates to uh, the, the vaccines. Yeah, it's an it's an immense undertaking. And Jared, I'm going to bring you in here in just a minute as we as we pivot uh, to some of the findings of your work trends index. But Kathleen, one more final uh, question for now for you. And, th and that is, how do you decide 
who needs to be in the office when. As you move to a hybrid uh, workplace, who is going to make those decisions that you need to be in three days a week and you need to be in two days a week? Is it the employee who does that? Is it a collaboration between employee and manager? And I guess the bottom line here is in implementing this hybrid work, how can you be a good boss? Well, that's a great question. And uh, the research that we just uh, published shows that the manager does matter. Uh, as much as we're going to talk about a lot of the trends uh, on work, um, work-life balance and team connection and all the things that we've experienced over the last year, the research that we've just published shows that the manager can make a huge difference. And one of the things that we came up with several years ago is expectations around the manager. We did this across sales, marketing, engineering, and across all 16,000 of our managers. What's the essence that we want our managers to exhibit? What is the expectations? And we came up with this framework, which has really served us well. Three words, model, coach, care, and that we really need our managers to role model the growth mindset, role model our leadership principles of creating clarity in the midst of great uncertainty. We need them to role model coach, coach, not inspect, but really help the team prioritize. And then this dimension of care, which I'm so excited and so glad we put that in, because it's really about how do you care about creating this inclusive team, making sure all voices are heard. You know, the last year it's been about leveraging our technology and chat and polls and all the things to make sure that that experience is very inclusive. But above all, it's spending time one-on-one -on -one with each individual to understand their, unique, their needs, their unique circumstances, their role, and what's really required to help them be successful, but also help them achieve their uh, their job. And so as we've really focused on model coach care, it does matter with the manager. We've seen this with onboarding. I think the report showed that onboarding uh, over the last year at Microsoft, we've onboarded 25,000 employees and the satisfaction wow. has actually gone up. And it's gone up because they've really relied on the manager. We've not been able to have this osmosis of being in the office. And so you really had to rely on the manager. And we've seen that the manager uh, reliance has gone up 20%. And so I think as we think about navigating hybrid, it's about empowering the manager to empower the employee. And so some of the things we're, we've really tried to do is be clear around the policy. And so we've invested a lot of time saying, okay, what are our policies? And to your question, we tried to say, is there a one size fits all? Can we say for everybody, it's gonna be the same thing? And in 190 countries with so many different functions, so many different roles, it was hard to say there's going to be one size fits all. So we've tried to establish policies around three dimensions, work from home. How much can you work from home? Our expectation is for the majority of employees, mm -hmm. they can work from home up to 50 percent without any uh, any, uh, you know, uh, manager approval. Uh, the second dimension is where you work. You know, some employees have wanted to relocate and then how much you work. Uh, whether you work part-time or, right. or not. And so really establishing those policies, trying to create clarity around that. But then ultimately, it is a dialogue with the manager and the employee. All right, let's turn to Jared, uh, um, because uh, Kathleen just mentioned something that, that's very interesting as we, as we turn to the, uh, to the uh, Work Trends Index about caring for employees and how important that is. And one of the findings in your survey is that one in five respondents say their employer doesn't care about their work-life balance. Now, obviously, Microsoft is different and, and everybody says, yeah, they do care. But, but, but that's one of the key findings here. 
Let's go through a couple of the important ones. One is that flexible work is here to stay. High productivity is masking an exhausted workforce. And three, that talent is everywhere in this new hybrid model. Why don't you walk us through some of those key findings and what the implications are for the return to work and the future of work? You bet. Let's start with the survey itself. You know, we just published this last week. It was 30,000, over 30,000 people in 31 countries. So we tried to get a very broad view of what was happening across the world. We asked them to answer questions about how things were going and what they projected into the future. We'll start with that first one, this idea that flexible work is here to stay. Um, when we looked at what employees wanted, 73% of the people that we surveyed saw said that they wanted more flexible work from home policies post-pandemic. So there clearly was a very strong sense that the flexibility they're getting right now really matters. Anecdotally, some of the things I hear from coworkers are, I've never had a chance to eat breakfast with my children before, or being able to see my kids during the middle of the day makes all the difference. So it's, it's very nice, and the flexibility, I think, is something that employees not only have gotten used to, they've realized the real benefits of it. At the same time, uh, we have over 67% of those same people saying, but I also want to be able to be in person with my team at times. And so there's this real dichotomy of give me some flexibility, give me the chance to get back in person when we can we can do that. So that has led to over 80% of, of managers saying that they expect to have more flexible work from home policies post pandemic. So our read of the data right now, Tyler, is this idea that, boy, it sure looks like this hybrid environment where sometimes you'll be in the office, sometimes you'll you'll be at home is here to stay for us. And we think it's a good trend. We think you can get the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at some of the other trends, um, I wanna go into this idea that we do feel like there's a disconnect between bosses or people have decision-making authority and actually what's happening within their teams. In fact, we went so far as to say, we feel like people, uh, the bosses need a wake up call a little bit. We asked them how people were doing, just give us a sense of where you are. 61% of, of managers, of leaders, said that they were thriving during this time. That was a full 23 percentage points higher than the average worker. And there was a lot of kind of demographic differences. We looked across different groups. So really interesting to see. And there's just a lot of pressure on workers. 39, so almost 40 percent of workers actually said that they felt exhausted because of the demands that their companies were putting on them. And then just very briefly to open things up a little bit, that idea of talent. This is one of the things that struck me with the most force as I looked at the data. We are just seeing the talent landscape. It really has changed tremendously over the last 12 months. A couple of numbers that really stuck out to me. 46% of people say that they are contemplating moving locations, so geographically moving, as a result of the more flexible work from home policies they expect. And 41% of global talent all around the world says that they're contemplating leaving their current employer within a, the next 12 months. So a big shape up, shake up, we think, in that talent market right now. Why do you think that is? Why do you think two out of five people are considering leaving their employer over the next year or so? Answer that and also answer why do you think 54 percent of people in the survey feel overworked, 39 percent, again, two out of five, feel exhausted? What is it about this remote work that is laying bare the exhaustion that workers feel, Jarrett? Sure. Let's let's start for a moment of why are they deciding or why are they feeling like they want to make big, big changes in their lives? What we're seeing is that this event that we've all experienced together collectively as people living on the planet has had the same impact on people's psyche and thinking as a major world disaster, as a world war, as something that's very big. It's actually caused many people to take a step back and really be thoughtful about where they are in their lives, 
how they're spending their lives, where they are geographically. And the data clearly points to this idea that they are resetting. They're trying to make sure they are doing the things that are most important to them. So it's not something I would have predicted going into the pandemic a year ago. It now makes perfect sense that we've all had this very difficult experience and it just causes us to reset. We're seeing that show up in kind of how people think about their employer and their employment and just what they're doing with their time. Now, to get to the point that you're pointing to in terms of people feeling exhausted and overworked, this is a little bit different. What we've seen is as people have moved home, work and life have just blurred in really um, new ways for people. You don't have a commute anymore that essentially provides bookends to the time that you would work someplace. You don't even go anyplace. You you just roll out of bed and start to work. And we have seen that the workday has elongated uh, just by looking, for instance, at the telemetry of our own tools in significant ways. Across the world, it has elongated by at least an hour. That's looking at the logins of the tools. In some countries, it's elongated by over two hours. So we're seeing people work longer hours. We're also seeing them do more after hours and on weekends in really significant ways. So what we're seeing as we look at the data and try to interpret what's going on is that people are feeling exhausted because they aren't fine, they don't yet know how to navigate this place where they don't have some of those natural breaks in their day. And I think it's a new skill set that workers all around the world as the new digital natives are gonna have to learn to navigate. So I think we're entering into just an unexplored, uncharted territory. I do think there's a way to be healthy and balanced, but we're gonna have to learn the way to do it together. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Let me go to a viewer, a viewer or a participant question, Kathleen, and get your get your reaction to it. There are some companies, says Sarah, uh, one of our participants, mentioning Goldman Sachs, uh, that are opposed to the hybrid remote work thing. They they want people there because they feel they lose productivity, they lose uh, collaboration, they lose partnership. Do you think companies that don't embrace the hybrid model? are putting themselves at a risk of losing out and not attracting the talent they need because people want the flexibility, Kathleen. Well, I think potentially, yes. Again, it depends on the business and the roles and, and, and the work requirements. But we absolutely believe that the last year has broke open flexibility and our employees are loving uh, the extra flexibility. And so we do think that there is a huge value proposition in terms of offering that. And so if you can figure out the sweet spot where you're enabling way more flexibility than in the past, but also we do recognize that there's value in being together. We do think that to innovate, to grow, to continue to cultivate our culture, we do want people to be uh, in the office some of the time, but we don't think it needs to be all of the time. And again, I think the more that the manager 
with their team can really be thoughtful about the team norms. One of the things we've realized is that in the past, maybe managers weren't even thoughtful about it. I'll have a meeting at 9 a.m. I'll have a meeting at 4 o'clock. I'll have a meeting, you know, the next day at 2. And now we're really asking managers, be intentional about that. Say my meetings are going to be 9 to 11 or my meetings are going to be Monday and, and Wednesday. And then people can plan around the rest of that time and mix shift their work and have a lot more flexibility. And so I do think it's an expectation. I think it's a great way also to attract talent uh, in ways that perhaps you couldn't in the past. And so I definitely would uh, be very thoughtful about if you can't enable hybrid, you know, having a really good reason why it's really important that people are in the office nine to five. Jared, uh, you know, work-life balance, passion for work, supportive team culture. These are parts of the findings uh, of the studies that you did uh, in your, your work index and then a follow-up pulse report. Uh, and and I, either one of you can jump in here. How, how are bosses, supervisors best, what is going to be the best practice to make sure that the hybrid workplace is administrated fairly so that my person, one person sitting here says, well, how come she gets to work from home four days a week and I have to be here four days a week? How is that? How are you going to thread that needle, Jared? Boy, that, that is a, the question of the moment, I would say. We're all learning together. So I think bringing this growth mindset is the most important thing. But here are some of the things I'm observing as we have taken this data and then gone out to work with our customers on what's going on. It is a combination of norms, of new cultural standards and of policies. And what I mean by that is we're finding that companies do best when they don't over-policyize what's going on. So they don't dictate everything that needs to happen by some <laughs> new policy, because we're just learning at this point. But but at the same time, we do need to start to develop new norms of like, what, what do we expect from you? And articulating those norms in somewhat explicit fashion, you know, so we can say, well, here's how we think about when we should be together. A team meeting is a time that we would come together. We'd love to do that in person. That may be a norm. And so it's, it is a little bit of an art right now of just trying to understand how will we use in-person time? How will we use kind of remote time? How do we blend those two things together? So it, there's a lot of work to go and do here. Now, as Kathleen mentioned, we just um, published this pulse. I think what the pulse showed more than anything else was that it wasn't so much about the specifics, like giving you a set of rules as a manager to go do, as it was about manager engagement and managers really rolling up their sleeves and caring about these issues and, and making sure that they took an active stance. And maybe Tyler, that's one thing I'd emphasize. I think this moment is very special right now because it's a moment that demands some real leadership. If you're a manager or a boss that just thinks there's gonna be the Ali Ali oxen free and everybody goes back to how it was in January, 2020, I've got a wake up call for you, no way. You've really got to show some leadership and determine, man, I've gotta get in with my people and we've gotta work this together. If you do that, I have a lot of confidence that we're going to get the best of both worlds. If you just let it unfold, however, in the way that it naturally will unfold, I think you're going to end up with the worst of all worlds. And that's the warning that we have for companies and bosses out there. That was Jared Spataro, Corporate Vice President at Microsoft. He was joined by his colleague, Chief People Officer Kathleen Hogan, at CNBC's At Work Summit on March 30th, 2021. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information on upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, please visit CNBCEvents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening. 
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.